Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Richie Upman here live on Southern Sports Central alongside Will Porter here today for another two-solid-hour sports radio show here as we're coming at you an hour earlier. Going to go do this here for a while as we're adjusting some things in the new year with a a new time slot here uh, with uh, college football slowing down a little bit. Uh, The NFL will uh, slowly start to kind of gradually slow down a little bit here. Uh, we're going to kind of take a few things in a different angle. And if you've been with us for the last, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years, this is very protocol for us. Uh, coming in January, we start to kind of adjust a few things uh, due to the fact that the, uh, the, the football landscape, if you will, uh, is just a little bit more sporadic. Now, we will also do some afternoon shows, so you just have to kind of stay in touch with us here. You have to follow us on social media over there on Twitter at SO Sports Central and on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. Now, of course, uh, throughout the entire show here today, we'd love to hear from you. There's always different ways and avenues that you can do that uh, as uh, we're going to be coming at you here uh, this morning from 6 to 8. I'll, of course, uh, be pretty strong with Will here from about 6 to 7, and then Will's going to kind of take a little bit more of a, uh, of a head of this thing from about 7 to 8, so we're kind of doubling up a little bit. He did a phenomenal job on Saturday morning. If you haven't listened to his Saturday morning show, guys, listen, you're missing out. Uh, it is the fifth quarter show, of course, uh, sponsored by Southern Sports Central. He does all the recapping of, uh, of any sport event that's happened during the week. He gets into NASCAR. He gets into the Major League Baseball. And, of course, right now it is the NFL conversation. It is college basketball conversation. So it's something you want to get into because we want to make sure you understand for six days a week, we bring you Southern Sports Central. We do take off on Sunday. That's the Sabbath. So we decided that we would, uh, you know, hey, let's honor that day. Let's honor one day to stay away, to unload, to do what we do. And uh, we always kind of take that Sunday to do just that. Now, if you want to call in here today, this morning, you want to be a part of today's show, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call in at the Matt's Burgers hotline is 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 323 323- Seven eight four nine six eight one. Again, I'm Rich Alpin here. We're going to go ahead and kind of talk a little bit about uh, what some of today looks like. It's going to be a little different here. We'll talk very little bit of college football today because there's just not much to talk about. I mean, you know, we can sit here and beat this drum until uh, we're blue in the face, but we already know that, uh, you know, the, the LSU Tigers and the Clemson Tigers are going to square off in a little about a week away here on the 13th. That's going to be a week from today. So a week from today, uh, at night in the p.m. hours, you'll see that battle happen. It'll be, of course, uh, who's going to be the biggest tiger of them all, who's going to be the original, or who's going to have the bragging rights for the Death Valley conversation. That'll be the 365 uh, conversation throughout the year. But that being said, though, there is a little bit of that we could get in here today, but we will do a lot of the NFL stuff due to the fact that yesterday, of course, uh, you know, more upsets happened as they did on Saturday. And, uh, you know, you look at some of the big names Big quarterbacks will not be moving on. They have uh, not been given uh, the opportunity or the golden tickets for the next round, and that, of course, is going to be 
Uh, you look at New, uh, New Orleans quarterback, uh, Mr. Breeze, is going to be watching this one next weekend from home. And then Tom Brady, he was given walking papers, uh, at least for the season. You know, he's not done with the Patriots, I don't believe. But definitely, uh, he will not be uh, playing this time next week neither. So, uh, a lot of things are different. And also, the other guy who did get walking papers, is it official? Finally broken up. All right, so no red rose was given to Jason Garrett as uh, the Dallas Cowboys have uh, issued a statement. He's done. He's out. There is conversation, and there is rumors speculating around the uh, coach over at Oklahoma. Is he going to be the next coach? And why would you? Why would you leave Oklahoma? Why would you leave something that you know is a guaranteed gift? And I get it's the Cowboys. Everybody's going to call in. Everybody's going to tweet at me. Everybody's going to come for me, and everybody's going to say, well, man, that's the Cowboys. Man, they come calling. You got to come running. Says who? Says why? For what reason? You give me another guy that owns the Cowboys, and then we might have that conversation. But to go and to play for a guy like Jerry Jones, man, that's kind of like signing your death wish. That's where, it, you know, it's kind of like, um, I guess if you were a football player and you were the number one draft, it'd be like going to the Cleveland Browns. It's kind of a kiss of death for you. I mean, you may, you may not win out. You may do well. You may have some things. And Jerry Jones, uh, again, I get it. You know, he is without a doubt a, a very smart businessman from the forefront. But if he would keep his hands out of the pot, if he would keep his hands out of what coaches do and let the coaches coach and the owners own, then, then it would be a better place. That's not the case. Uh, we are going to go ahead quickly, uh, before we go to a quick break here, bring in uh, Will. Good morning, brother. Uh, again, great show Saturday. I got a chance yesterday on some downtime. I went downtown to uh, downtown Charleston. I don't get to do that often because we're up here in Somerville. Of course. Went to the Fleet Landing. That was a good time. You ever been to Fleet Landing yet? I have, yes. Yep. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Good atmosphere. Good area. Good food. I uh, went down there and um, really enjoyed myself. Uh, the company I was with, of course, uh, her and I enjoyed just gotta, sometimes you just got to ungage. You got to just unlock and, and just enjoy the atmosphere that's around. And, of course, we did that yesterday. Walked around, did the old tourist thing, walked around the uh, the battery yesterday. And uh, good stuff there. Just kind of getting out after church and, and just relaxing a little bit because they don't realize, and I say they, being the people on the other side of this microphone, don't realize the hours and the energy that, that we you put into this thing. And, of course, you know, come about January, I explain this to people all the time, because of the, the two hours that they hear us, and the many hours that they hear us on Friday nights, and then, of course, all the things that we put together, man, it is a full-fledged knockout, drag-out fight from about, let's say, July, into July, all the way into about January. Yeah, and uh, good morning to everybody out there. And uh, if you are joining us uh, for, for the first time and you're able to do that on, on your drive to work or however, uh, thank you for, for tuning in and, and listening to us uh, ramble on about sports. Now, um, yeah, the, the, the time and the, the energy – that's spent on uh, the research and what we're doing and, and a lot of the uh, stories that we're going to, that we bring you on, on a day in and day, and day out basis. Um, it, it's something that, that does take up a lot of our, our energy and for us to be able to, you know, take a, take a Sunday or, or just an afternoon to kind of unwind and to unravel and to really, uh, and to really enjoy, enjoy the moment for ourselves uh, away from this, it's it's something it's hard to do. It's something that's very hard to do uh, unless uh, unless you've done something like this before. So, um, but uh, yeah, great show on on Saturday. Uh, no guests, but that that's okay because there was a lot of uh, football to to dissect. There was a lot of football to dive into. A lot of basketball to uh, to dive into. Uh, if if you didn't have the chance to join me 
on on Saturday. I'll recap it real quick. We, uh, of course, Wild Card Weekend has uh, has passed us, and the show today we're going to discuss some of that uh, as well as the news that's come out of the NFL this past weekend. Also, not to mention uh, the NCAA basketball. Uh, they have started their uh, conference games, and so that's going to extend all the way from now uh, on into February, and then March Madness is going to be upon us soon after. And so I, I of course, being a fan of, of college basketball, uh, I will continue to, to do my best to be able to bring that coverage uh, to Southern Sports Central and to be able to, uh, of course, continue to follow it, anything new and exciting, uh, continue to uh, update you as we go along. Plus, uh, some NCAA football uh, action, some games that the, that happened on Friday uh, as well as Saturday, and of course one more today. So a lot to a lot that we dove into, uh, a lot that we dove into on Saturday, and a lot to dive into today. No doubt about it. So here's what we're going to do. We'll dive into a break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll start the conversation coming back. We will get into college football quickly. We're going to knock that one out. Uh, because there is a big day. It is decision day for Tua Tagovailoa, who, of course, is the quarterback at Alabama. He should announce here later today at some point whether he's going to come or go. I'm thinking he goes, but we'll get into that conversation. We'll also recap the games that happened on Friday, on Saturday, and what games are today. And uh, after today, I believe it's kind of crickets until the following Monday. But we'll look at the schedule. We'll get you up to date. And then uh, after that, we'll kind of dive a little bit here into, of course, the conversation of, well, what's that, the NFL and the winners and losers from uh, the first weekend of the playoffs that is wild card weekend now in the books. And uh, so is the first segment here on Southern Sports Central. You want to call in, join us this morning. Come on in, hang out. 323-784-9681. Again, the Mass Burgers hotline's wide open. 323-784-9681. We'll be right back. You're listening to the fellas right here on Southern Sports Central. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps a rolling on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son. Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. I hate it and cry. But there's rich folks eating from a fancy dining car. They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars. Well, I know I had it coming. I know I can't be free. But those people keep a moving, and that's what tortures me.
Well, if they freed me from this prison, if that railroad train was mine, I bet I'd move it on a little farther down the line. Far from Folsom Prison, that's where I want to stay. And I'd let that lonesome whistle blow my And welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Gentleman alongside Will Porter here on our beautiful, chilly Monday morning. It is, of course, a, uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's the sixth day of January. We're six days into the year. So if, uh, you know, you've got that New Year's resolution, stick with it and uh, hang tight. I said this yesterday, uh, you know, I was I was eating lunch yesterday and uh, had the conversation about basically couldn't believe how busy church was yesterday packed i mean and of course it's a new year's resolution a lot of people start strong right and they kind of filter off out throughout the year and they do the same in the weight room and they do the same in everything they do but i'm going to challenge you this year i'm going to stay strong and, and stick to what uh you say you're going to do and, and do what you say. we'll look at college football it's not going to take long because we'll get to a quick weekend that was uh, Friday, of course, uh, on the 3rd of January, Ohio, of course, uh, the state of Ohio took on Nevada in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, there it was all Ohio, a 30-21 to 21 victory there. That season has come and done, and, uh, you know, you, you look at it is what it is. Uh, for Nathan Rauch, uh who uh, accounted for 241 yards off the offense and ran a touchdown to help Ohio beat Nevada, 30-21. to 21. They finished the season 7-6. and six. They knocked down Nevada 7-6, and six. so... Not a whole lot to get into with that game. Of course, uh, you know, you always want to start on the right pitch, and there's a big difference between 7-6 and six and 6-6. Six and six. We say that all the time. Being above 500 is always will a big number there. And, of course, not much to get into other than stats and all that, but, but I'm kind of like this, man. Look, it, it was one of those games that kind of fell through the cracks because it's so late in the year, but, yet it did give us college football. Yeah, it's, uh, it's college football nonetheless, and you, you just take it at face value, but – uh, I, uh, this was a good game and one that I dove into some, uh, just talking about uh, uh, Nathan Rourke. He, he of course, uh, carried the team on his back uh, in, in some way um, and really accounting for most of the offense uh, of the night for, for Ohio and those Bobcats. Uh, they, they were able to go in and, and be able to uh, beat a team on the West Coast with a, uh, with a different offense, probably one that they uh, are unfamiliar with. But right. uh, to, take, uh, to take control – very early and and to maintain control and to keep uh, their their defense uh, a Nevada's defense on the field uh, for most of that game because um, you know Nathan Rourke his he he accounted for most of the rushing yards too uh, he he was not entirely the rushing leader of course you had a uh, I think it's uh, David Tuggle over there uh, that he that uh, Demontre Demontre Tuggle that he was there to uh, kind of uh, add as a buffer as well. But nonetheless, I mean, great, great win for, for those Bobcats uh, from Ohio. And that's uh, in uh, some of us know, some of us that don't know, but that's actually uh, Joe Burrow's backyard. His dad uh, was the coach for the Ohio Bobcats for a long time. And uh, of course he's a retired coach now, but uh, good to see his team, um, his former team pick up a win uh, in a bowl game, which, which is huge, no matter what bowl game. And this is the, uh, the famous Idaho potato bowl but it still has bowl attached to the end of it. So great win for the Bobcats. 
and again, you got to look at these for these guys. It's a recruiting opportunity for these guys as well as working out longer, practicing longer, playing one more game, and they actually got a little bit more practice than even the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes were eliminated earlier, a week ago, you know, so, hey, they got an extra week of practice over there uh, at that one. Of course, like you mentioned, Joe Burrows, of course, uh, dad coached there for many, many, many years. So I'm sure he was glad to be a part of something like that, to watch, to sit there, and to uh, to see his former team continue to do big things as well. Now, also, uh, the other game that happened, uh, and this one kind of shocked me a little bit because, uh, you know, I didn't have a pick from here on this one, but Southern Mississippi, of course, played against uh, Tulane. Now, Tulane, a 7-5 and uh, five team coming in, excuse me, a 6-6-5 six and six, five team coming in, uh, while uh, on the other end it was a 7-5 and five, uh, Southern Mississippi team coming in here. Tulane rallies for a 30-13 to 13 win over Southern Miss in the Air Force Bowl. Uh, Justin McMillan threw for three touchdown passes in the second half when Tulane rallied from a 30-13 to 13 win while renewing a rivalry against Southern Mississippi in the Armed Forces Bowl on Saturday. It is a huge rivalry. It is very close in uh, geographics when it comes to recruiting. Think about that. They also bring a lot of things. You know who, who, you know who played at Southern Mississippi? Are you familiar? <sighs> I am not. Brett Barr. That is right. Brett Barr played at Mississippi. That is Southern right. Mississippi. So, uh, you, you think of guys like that because the reason I bring him up, the reason that I bring up guys like him, and we can go through Tulane, uh, you know, alumni chart as well, but I can promise you both of these places put out some talent. They are very um, competitive in the leagues that they play in. They're very good at what they do. They take the guys who, for whatever reason, don't go to these other schools and do whatever they need to do, and you start to kind of see some fun things here. And just kind of give me some numbers here. And uh, how this works out, Tulane's quarterback, by the way, McMillan, 13 for 18, 215 yards and three touchdowns. It's kind of the tell that told the story there. That's kind of what happened. He was able to take this team, as you mentioned in the last game that we looked at, and put that team on their back and do the things they needed to do because it wasn't much of a, wow, look at me now, kind of running back game or even receiver game. I mean, neither one of the guys really lit it up. I think the top running back was Carroll. Uh, nine carries, 48 yards. I mean, again, nothing there to brag about. And then receiving-wise, didn't even have over 100 yards with their leading receiver, uh, McKelsey, there, as he only had two receptions for 87 yards, just really big ones there, as he was able to break away from his defenders and only a touchdown on the ground there. Because on the other side, it was Watkins. He was the leading receiver uh, from southern Mississippi all the way, getting nine uh, receptions, 154 yards, and a touchdown. And, uh, again, very similar uh, with the running game, just wasn't much of a running game. Defensive front, I thought, for both teams showed up very well. The penetration getting across the, the offensive line really kind of limited the ability for these guys to run the ball. There was no holes really open, so they had to go to the air, but he had to go to multiple receivers for both guys. But it came down to who was going to be the better quarterback, and on this day it was Tulane, and they were able to finish this thing with a lot better record. Again, both teams finishing just like the game on Friday night, 7-6. and six. Not where you want to be if you're Southern Miss. You were hoping to pick up that eight win because eight's a lot better than seven. You just look at the charts that'll tell you that. But it just means more on a recruiting trip when you say, hey, man, we're eight and five. That's not a bad season. Not the great season, but this is why we need you to come here. Now you're seven and six, and eh, we're just borderline above 500 when it's Tulane going, look, you know, we, we, we weren't even favored in this game. We were down and out. When we came back, we do what we need to do, and just think, if we get you, we might win eight games. We might win nine games. Yeah, and and uh, you know, going eight and five with a bowl win does uh, something good too for for recruiting. I tell you the interesting thing. I I checked in on this game uh, on my phone 
uh, at one point in the afternoon while it was going on. I think it was the first or second quarter, uh, still in the first half, and Southern Mississippi uh, was already up on, on Tulane uh, very, very early. And so I was like, okay, well, this, this game is probably over. No, no. I ended up uh, tuning in, and it was, it was a great game. Uh, physical game nonetheless, but uh, I tell you what made the difference for me is that Tulane, they, they maintained possession of the ball. Uh, they made possession of the ball for longer than Southern Mississippi did uh, for about 34 minutes as compared to the uh, 26 minutes that um, uh, USM had. But, uh, you know, really and truly, Tulane also took away the run game from them, either, either that the run game was almost non-existent for, for Southern Mississippi or that they, they just relied so much and, and continued to air it out. Um, but, you know, Tulane's secondary and what they were able to do to hold them only to uh, 301 yards uh, over the air, and then Tulane being balanced on both sides of the ball. They had 164 yards, uh, uh, 64 yards rushing, and it was about, you know, three and a half yards uh, per rush, uh, so as the, the average number uh, comes out to. And penalties. Penalties was the, the biggest factor in that. Uh, there were 82 yards uh, in penalties, uh, 10 of them for against Southern Mississippi. And those factors all tied in. If, if you are able to expose yourself in that way, a team like Tulane will, will make you pay for it. And I think that that's uh, really what came down to uh, the decision in, in this game and for Tulane to just rally behind and, you know, to be able to not only mark up the win, but mark up the win and more. Uh, that that to me just shows the the heart and the character of that uh, of that Green Wave team. It's funny enough, it is a Green Wave team. I mean, we are here in Somerville after all, right? But uh, you know, a great great win for those for those guys, and uh, you know, and a storybook ending, like you said, for um, for Justin McMillan, uh, the two Texas State championships. Uh, he played for a high school only about thirty five miles away from from Tulane, right? And I think that's kind of what you look at it. And again, when we talk about recruiting, and we do that a lot on this show, and that's really kind of when college, uh, a week from today, after a week from today, that's Tuesday, it's going to become that of a lot of a recruiting deal because we'll have National Signing Day and that February date, which will hopefully be out and about there. But when you look at the big picture, you look at the other pictures around it, you know, recruiting is massive at these levels. These guys are able to go out and, and utilize now that transfer portal. Uh, they're able to utilize certain things. They're able to say, look, you can go here. You can go to LSU. You can go to, to, to Mississippi State and to Ole Miss. And you can go to all these other places you want to go, but are you going to play? That's the key because it's hard to get drafted if you don't play. It's hard to be seen if you're not on the field. And yet I can get you on the field. You can get yourself on the field. We can give you the opportunity to get yourself on the field. And, and then the other thing that you mentioned just a minute ago was penalties. You, this is where you, you see a lot of teams really kind of struggle a little bit because you wonder how much focus they've lost. The season that was postseason, or they've been on the field and all of those things, whether they were in a, a conference championship, which I don't think these two teams, neither of these teams were with that record, but it's been a minute since these guys have been out there. So they've lost a little bit of focus possibly. They've gotten out. It's a bowl game. It, they're a lot more laid back. They're, I, I don't know how much they're really putting into it now. However, you have a junior who made the clear earlier, or a senior that's definitely got to be seen. These guys aren't sitting out. It's not like the Power Five guys where you see them sitting out or not playing for whatever reason for their stock purposes. These guys are looking at as an opportunity for another audition 
to be seen on a national broadcast because think about it, Friday and Saturday, there were no other games in college football being played, so they were the only ones. For the people who are totally anti-against NFL, who only really want to watch college football, these guys were locked in and engaged and don't think for one minute that there weren't other owners and decision makers in the NFL not watching these games and say, hey, man, there might be a diamond in the rough over here that we can go get us a Brett Favre. Or we can go get us one of these guys that are really good. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing uh, that, that I took away from a lot of these games, yeah, like you said, there are these guys, uh, the, these uh, folks out there that are only interested in the college football realm. Um, but, you know, it is, it is very telling that, you know, these programs, they, they may not be power five. They may not be uh, as spectacular as, as the Alabamas or, or uh, have carry a big name like, uh, like the Texas or Texas A&Ms of the world, but it, it is football and it is uh, division one football uh, at, at its best and at its prime. And don't, and don't think for a minute that these teams, they, that they just, uh, uh, they pick up the scraps left up, uh, left over after the, um, once you get these players signed from high school and then they go on to play like, no, they, these guys, they have, um, they have four star, um, athletes, like three stars that turn into four stars or four stars that turn into five stars in, in the scope of, it's like in the scope of what we're, we are used to, but we have to put it into the perspective of where they're coming from and where, uh, like where their recruiting lies, where their pool is is coming from development of the players that they have within within their system being able to to work things out that way because if we do like if if we do that and compare them to a clemson or compare them to an ohio state then we're not doing them a justice to 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 watching these games and expecting an an all-star talent uh a talent pool across the board because it's college football college football is still um, it's still very, you know, three dimensional as far as who is the, who is the best and who is not the best. And so maybe, yeah, these guys are, uh, close to, to the bottom of, of where they are in, in their conference or in their division, but Hey, they were talented enough to get to a bowl game to get to this point and for them to, uh, just to, just to show up and have athletes play. Uh, in this game, it, it means a lot for their program. It means a lot for for the uh, for the school's name to be able to get out there. They run a commercial for for the for the school during the game, at least one for each, for each school, and so that that representation is there. And to the point that you made, Richie, about NFL uh, executives or, or talent scouts that go to those games or or just end up watching them, yeah, they have some. They have some sense of who they want, uh, and, and you know, if, if somebody from that school ends up declaring for the draft or, or uh, they don't get picked, so they're, they're an unsigned uh, free agent, somebody, uh, one of the 32 NFL teams can go out there and, and pick one of them because these guys are talented. It's just the, the different uh, – it's a different scope than what we're used to on the national level, top 25 level. Uh, type of football that is played so it takes it it takes a lot to be able to watch these games uh, if you are like a a power five uh, uh, conference um, uh, football watcher but it it is college football and I think that that's the the reverence like it it is um, it's it's great one way or another 
Well, you think of guys like Matt Forte as well. By the way, he played at Tulane. Right. You get the you get the Brett Favre's. You get the you can go through your list and look at people. But again, you come to these universities, you come to these colleges, and, and you don't think for one minute that you might not make because you're not a Power Five, but you have an opportunity. If you go out and debut, you go out and play out, ball out, do the things that you need to do, do the little things so that the big things come a little bit easier. You know, that's just kind of the way it works out. Now, what we're going to do now is we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I want to dive into, before we change gears to the NFL, because there's a lot of NFL to uncover here, so it's going to take a lot longer than, than just the hour that's going to happen in the second hour. But I do want to look at Alabama real quick, because there are other guys who have said they're gone, they're out, and that's why I think that two was out of here, because if you look at some of the guys that are leaving, he – probably has already leaned into some of their ears and they're thinking, dude, I'm not sticking around if I don't have a guy to sling it to me. So we'll do that. We'll take a quick break. You want to hang out? You want to come in, talk to us about what your thoughts of college football are? Maybe you want to get into that conversation of the NFL and playoffs. That's right, playoffs. It is a second round coming up next week. We'll get you set up for that as well. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. You're listening to The Fellas right here on Southern Sports Central. Hey, oh, we should hang out. I know you wanna hang too. We 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Hubman here. This segment brought to you by the Fan Zone. The Fan Zone located at 5070 International Boulevard, Suite 106 and 107. That's right. They need double the impact for double the, uh, well, opportunity to get all your playoff stuff for the NFL and some of that Clemson and LSU gear that they still have up in there. And, of course, uh, all the other swag that you can imagine uh, is uh, labeled throughout there. Uh, you won't get any better service at any other sports shop than the Fan Zone. Again, located at 5070 International Boulevard right there in North Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, check them out. If you cannot drive over because you don't live in the area, you can go over to their, uh, course, website. That is www.thefanzoneshop.com. Go over there and check them out as well. Now, if you do get in there and you're able to talk to anybody, ask for Luke. Tell them uh, Richie and the fellows over here at Southern Sports Central sent you and uh, see if they give you a little door prize with that being said. Now, door prizes, opportunities, swag, all of that. Uh, kind of uh, in the conversation when you think about Alabama. Now, are they done? I don't think so. Are they done with Tua or Tua done with them? That's the question that's going to come up uh, to a lot of people. And I think when you look at uh, some of the headliners that, that are coming through right now just in college football alone, you, you have to you got to look at the big front. Who's staying? Who's leaving? What's happening? Where are we going with all this conversation? And it's already said that, of course, Alabama safety um, – McKinney is going to enter the draft. That's a big deal secondary-wise. Even though their secondary hasn't, wasn't great, I don't think their defense was probably anywhere near as it's been the last 10 years. That was one of the reasons, I think, that they kind of uh, slowly faded off into, the, into what it was. Again, this is a team, by the way, I think they only lost two games all year. So we act like they lost like five or six games. They only lost two, by the way. Uh, that being said, uh, Judy, top-ranked wide receiver, also has declared for the draft. And that, my friends, is where we're going to get into conversation right now. And this is why I think that when you look at it, two is probably in and out of here and uh, going to be looking uh, to head to the NFL. And if I'm him, that's probably uh, the best move that he can make because you look at it. And of course, Tua, um, to stay or go with the Alabama team, was he going to the draft? We're not sure. But the big decision for the quarterback gets ready to be announced uh, here today at noon as a press conference with uh, Coach Nick Saban. Now, for a while, it seemed like uh, – had foregone conclusion, he would head to the NFL. Now, the early favorite to be the number one draft pick, remember, uh, Tua, prior to getting injured, was one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league coming after, you know, his his big run there and his ability to take over from a Jalen Hurst who just came to kind of sputter a little bit there and and becoming that, that man in the myth and the legend a year ago. Yeah, that it was uh, second and 26, I think it was, and uh, the past in the 2017 uh, college football national championship game and for, for him to win it like that in, in walk-off fashion. And then that was the, um, that was the welcoming of Tua Tagovailoa into the college football world. And then now it seems like it's ended uh, abruptly. We, we only get to see it for – uh, a year and a half in, in college football, and it's it's unfortunate. It really is. And I I was rooting for him to uh, possibly win the Heisman because uh, you know Lord Lord knows that he was he was going for something else. But um, you know with with the at the beginning of the season he was the he was the favorite to take it. He was the favorite to um, you know go lead this team to a national championship and and Alabama be back on top again and give Nick Saban the um, ring number seven uh, there on his finger. And, you know, for one, like for one thing uh, for me that, that I take away from this is that um, 
with his decision coming at noon today. So it's going to be uh, coming to us uh, within five and a half hours. This comes down to what, what is best for him, what is best for, um, what is best for his family, what, what this young man wants to do. All the signs point to that, that he should go right. and, and, and declare for the draft, to enter the draft. Uh, because if you do stay for one more year, and he, and he has one more year of eligibility, he'll become a senior next year. Uh, if he does that, then he is giving himself up for one more year, one year that um, with NFL teams that have, been, um, that have been speculating whether or not he's going to uh, play for them, those, those uh, teams that need quarterbacks that they would go after um, a guy such as Tua, uh, you know, the, the conversation about the Miami Dolphins or, um, you know, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals of the world or the, the New York Giants or who, whoever needs a quarterback out there. And since he got hurt now that the, that comes into question, that comes into jeopardy. Now, if you go back, if, if he was to come back to Alabama this year or this, this upcoming year, he would put himself in more danger, I believe, right. more susceptible to injury, something that could possibly be even worse than, than the injury that he sustained. There, now, there is, there is rehab. There is steady rehab that he is doing right now. His doctors are taking great care of him. They are, they are monitoring his progress like day by day, hour by hour, because they want to make sure that they protect their most valuable asset, that is, to a Taika Vailoa, and they want to ensure him that he is going to have a very healthy playing career in the NFL should ever a problem arise um, and, and he falls out of the top five or top 10 or, or even out of the first round, which I don't think is going to happen um, that, that I think that there should be a, a team, uh, you know, probably even like the, the saints or um, you know, the, the, the Packers or whoever that they have a starting quarterback, but they, they need somebody um, at the backup. Uh, to at the at the helm to just fall back on just in case, but other than that, I I don't see him staying another year at Alabama just just because this was this was already the plan this was his time, and I think that it, it should just be mission moving forward. He should announce his decision to to enter into the NFL or uh, and all the while continue to uh, make progress in his rehab. Yeah, you, you know, a couple of things here. Let's look at some stats here. He's six foot one, two hundred eighteen pounds. We know that. We get into all that, and you, you understand that now. For two thousand nineteen, let's look at some numbers here. Impressive uh, by, of course, uh, what he's been able to do in uh, in his games there. Two thousand eight hundred forty passing yards, thirty three touchdowns, three only three interceptions. That puts him at seventy one point four completion percentage. It was eleven point three yards attempt and a ninety four point five QB rating. That's impressive enough. I don't see him going any further than than maybe 15. Now, what does that mean? Where does that put him? How does that put him around things? I think it puts him right behind LSU's quarterback, Joe Burrow. There's no doubt. It, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat that kid. He's the number one draft pick. He basically put a stamp on that one uh, against Oklahoma. Then Wright, of course, uh, is going to be somewhere around Tua at that point. Then Justin Herbert, of course, uh, that's Oregon's uh, quarterback there. I think he'll kind of follow behind him. So they're going to go with other position players prior to that one first-round draft pick. Again, Joe Burrow's right there, number one. Somewhere around 11, maybe 12 at the latest. And, again, in my opinions, I know you've got Mel Kuyper, McShay, and all those guys at ESPN that they're going to say what they're going to say. And, and again, these guys get paid to do 
what they do and, and a lot more than I do. And uh, they do it a little bit closer with the NFL comparatively to the college level. But I would find it hard to believe that, that he follows he, – number one, he, he's not getting out of the first round. Okay, I can tell you, you're not kicking this kid in the second round. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but I just don't see him following any further than 15 at the lowest. At the highest, probably six. You know, that could be possibly something that they could do. Because remember, these teams, it's a game of chess. They are going to trade around. They're going to move their picks around. They're going to go after what they need to. My only concern, if I'm an NFL guy and I'm in the front office, is now we've dealt with not one but two injuries back-to-back. And he struggled last year coming back from that injury. If you remember, practicing in the rain, trying to get through it, trying to handle it, trying to really dissect his way through what he needed to do. And again, he struggles, but yet he has that 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 killer instinct in him, that athlete in him that that you want on your team. He cannot afford physically. He cannot afford to really stay and and, and be at Alabama because I'm going to tell you something. He stays. He gets hurt one more time. That's three. There's an athlete that was playing last night who's basically been labeled as an accident-prone athlete. That's Davion Clowney. Clowney, of course, sat out most of his senior year at South Carolina was hurt dealing with a lot of different injuries. A, I think a lot of us just because he's so daggone big that his bones are, are just, he's just a big dude. So he's going to deal with a lot more things, but he never seemed to get over that injury bug from his junior and senior year at South Carolina. He battled it at Texans. Now he's at Seattle. He played last night hurt just to have that impact on whatever side of the field he was on, took away from the energy from the other side so that he could help his teammates kind of pass rush a little bit better. He still looked good last night. He still was able to get around the corner. But for Tua, for me, he has not much of a choice. And, again, to see Judy leaving, to his ace receiver leaving, that kind of speaks volumes because if I think if he was coming back and he had made it be known, Judy comes back, they have another opportunity for another big year. Again, Alabama's going to reload. You've seen their their, their recruiting is, is, is not something they lack a lot of, you know, the, they're not, they're not hurting and recruiting, and they've only lost two games this year. But again, when you start to see certain key players starting to already announce prior to Tua that they're leaving, they're kind of showing Tua's card to me, from what I see. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. You know, I think the one question that Tua is asking himself would would be, you know, it the it would be the question: if I return, then does that does that improve my, my draft stock code going into next year? Would I be the number one overall guy next year? But you also take it with, um, take it with the breath, you know, will, will I get hurt again? Because you're, you're taking those risks no, no matter what you do. And, and you're, you're taking those risks no matter what, but if you come back, uh, if you come back one more year, you're not going to get paid uh, if you do get, if you do get injured because he is such a, he's such a up there uh, talent. He's, he's, probably top three, top five. Um, you know, I, I would, I would be surprised if he fell out of the top 10, just based on the, the top picks that are in the draft right now. And, and I tell you, uh, like, it, this is something hilarious to me that the, the Miami dolphins were uh, projected to have the number one overall pick this year. Well, well, no, it turns out that the, uh, that the Cincinnati Bengals uh, take that spot after the dolphins won uh, against them. But, you know, the the Bengals, I I believe they want Joe Burrow anyway because he is from Ohio and and that would be the uh, uh, I guess a proper homecoming for for uh, Mr. Joe Heisman up there uh, down there at LSU and there is a very possible chance that Miami ends up getting their man that they wanted all along into a unless there's some other 
um, unless there's some other franchise that happens to, to swoop in and grab him. Uh, I don't see that happening, nor do I think it's plausible. But I, I also say, again, you know, if, if Tua were to come back and play another year at Alabama and he gets hurt again, it's, it's not only going to hurt him physically again, but it's also going to hurt him and his chances uh, to get and, and, you know, be chosen at a location somewhere in the draft where he, where he is up there. Because we all know that the higher up that you are on the draft board, usually the, the more that you uh, are, are projected to, to have success, the more that you have, um, the more money that you're going to get coming your way with, I don't know, with endorsements, with contracts and all that stuff. It's just how that works out. But if he goes back to Alabama, gets hurt again, then that is the risk that he runs uh, going into next year's draft. If he's to stay this year, or if he's to, he's to, to declare for the draft today and, and move forward with that, and he is going to he's going to get chosen by somebody. Somebody's going to be able to utilize him. But they are also, I, I think that they are going to be aware and be cautious moving forward with with his injury history. And as far as sustaining him, okay, how long can we keep him healthy? How long can he keep himself healthy? It's just a lot of questions. It, it, this is a, it's it's very intricate. It's a very uh, rare circumstance that we're talking about this and how, how this is all unfolding today. Well, for me to watch the way that he went down and you watch his mouth getting busted open there again, it was, it look, it's a, it's a collision sport. All right. So, so don't be angry at the guys that tackled him. Don't be angry at the mm-hmm. guys that did their job. You know, you, you've heard this before, you know, uh, we talked about this last uh, Friday when we had one of our guests come in here, we talk about getting mad at the receivers. Well, you know what? Sometimes you can't get mad at the other guy because there's a guy on the other side that's getting the scholarship to do the same thing, but just at a different role. You know, he's got to produce. He's got to produce. Somebody's going to win and lose. That's called competition day in and day out. For me, he comes back. He has an opportunity to really honestly have a season in an injury, but a lot worse of a career in an injury. That hit was – it looked a lot – I don't know if it looked worse than it was or, or what have you, but for me it was like, wow, okay, cool. We need to pump the brakes here. Even Alabama fans were upset with Nick Saban because he was in that game at that time. They thought they should have taken him out. Well, look, Tua doesn't want to come out. A competitor doesn't want to watch the game from the sidelines. A real honest-to-God athlete doesn't want to sit there and hold a clipboard or give signs or do the things on the sidelines. They want to be in the trenches. They want to be a part of the solution and, and handle the problem that's been given to you. So for me, you know, I hope Tua makes the right move, what's best for his family, what's best for himself, and, and, and the move that I know he's a faithful guy. He's a guy who, of course, he's going to put all of this in prayer, and he'll go the direction he needs to go. So I'm, I'm confident and comfortable that he's going to probably make that decision to go to the NFL. Now, if he leaves, there is all these questions. What happens next? Of course, Mac Jones, you know, um, will be the next man up as we think. Now, there is a little Tua Tago, a little brother out there who uh, is waiting in the wings here and may or may not ever see the field. I, I don't know. His younger brother, of course, so the freshman, is a former four-star recruit who played uh, some this past season. But uh, it is going to be Mac Jones' team. I, I do think that there is a lot to be said there for Alabama. To have him already in the fold, he's already played some snaps live. He's been in the trenches a little bit. He's had to be faced. He's 0-1 against Auburn. That's not going to go well for the, uh, for the Alabama uh, Rammer Jammers there. But – He's a he's a young kid who's coming in, and, and again, storylines are, are written every day. But for me, I, I think you see the experience that this guy got and how he was able to really kind of come in and do what he needs to do 
not a bad move, but Mac Jones is the typical Alabama quarterback that I've known to watch. I mean, I get A.J. McCarron. He was a different deal. You know, I watched him in his first loss since eighth grade, and he came into the University of South Carolina in Columbia, and Stephen Garcia and uh, Alshon Jeffries and Marcus Lattimore and Gilmore and all those guys were locked and loaded, and they beat him for the first time ever. That was great, but a long time it's been that they've had a guy. They haven't had a guy like Tua. They haven't had that guy other than way back when. Now, we go way back. They've got some studs, of course, too, but they've had other playmakers. They've had great running backs. Think of the running backs they've had out there. Think about the receivers they've had out there, the secondary. You've got Alabama. You're almost guaranteed to be, if not a first-round, a second-round draft pick. And just like Southern Cal, sometimes you don't even have to be on the field to get drafted. That's how good the reputation of Alabama is. Yeah, they know if they recruit you, you're pretty daggum good. Yeah, and you're going to be utilized no, no matter how, how you look at it. And they're going, to, they're going to use you one way or another. Now, the thing with um, uh, he said, uh, Mac Jones, uh, this is going to be his team moving forward. And, like, they're, they do such a good job at the University of Alabama in developing these players. And, and, and I, make it, I make it such an emphasis to know, to, to want the public to know that development college determine the success that you have in the NFL because the NFL is not a developmental league. You are, you are taken with your talents, and, and they, they use you one way or another. They're going to bend you over. Um, they're they're going to um, bend you backwards. And you being, being able to just, like, what you need to do, what, what can you do best for this team? Right. And the, with the NFL, there, there's not some there's, – there's, yeah, there's some things you can be able to learn and be able to um, be able to take uh, take and make a part of your game as you go along, but as far as learning all the fundamentals and all of the and all of the things, um, you know, with the college game, it, it's going to help build you up. It's going to help you um, become a better player. And you know, at Alabama, I think that they do such an amazing job. And you know, you know, Tua was already great coming out uh, coming out of the gate and, and being able to. Um, you know, showcase his talent in, in that national championship game when, whenever he, he made his whole debut to the world. And now, you know, from, from that point to, to the last game that he played, you know, that I, there, there are some um, parts in his game where he, he just got better. And, and, he, and you can see the progression that he continued to get better. Um, and, and, in, like, and all in the scope of things. Um, in, the, in the games that he played, the passes that, the passes that he made and just to, to continue to, to use his legs and being a mobile quarterback, you know, that, that is the, that was the game that he played and he continued to get better. You, you mentioned, you know, the AJ McCarron's um, of, of the world and, and the, the quarterback, the, I guess the typical quarterback from Alabama that you would expect being a pocket passer, uh, being, being such a fast uh, a release getting the ball to his wide receivers and then relying on the running back. Um, you know, I, I think back to Derrick Henry right. in, in 2015 when he won the Heisman. Uh, that's one of the, the running backs that, that Alabama had and that, that they utilized. And, you know, I, I hope that they get another guy like Derrick Henry because that, that's the showcase of, of Alabama's power and strength. And Lacey was there too, right? And Lacey I think, had Lacey as well. I think yeah. Lacey was there as well. But, you know, Derrick, Derrick Henry, like, the one thing about Derrick Henry, I put an asterisk because he's built differently. Dude right. is dude is six three, two thirty eight, or something like that. Yeah. He, th- this guy is like pure muscle, and uh, and of course we're we're going to dive into this too because he was part of the team, one of the teams that won um, in Wild Card Weekend this past weekend. But you know, for for him, 
and, and just like again, the way that he is built as a running back, uh, he, he's almost built like a fullback, right? And, and him being able to just just to be a power back, almost back built like a linebacker to some degree. Too. Oh yeah, you think about it like a linebacker, like in a Christian Okoye. You've heard me say that name before. Look back at that kid, but. You know, uh, here, here's the thing for me. Matt Jones, this kid's going to come in here and, and just look at what he did against Michigan. And Michigan's defense, again, that Big Ten Michigan defense, that Big Ten defense uh, in general, usually pretty good. That's kind of what thing you hear about, you know, the difference between uh, the Big Ten and the, and, and, and the Big 12 is the Big 12 is an offensive thing and the Big Ten is a big defensive thing. But this guy went 16 for 25, 327 yards in the air. He destroyed the secondary. Of, of what is known as the Michigan Wolverines and a team, not bad. They were nine and three uh, again, coming in here in Alabama finishes out 11 and two. And we're, we're, it's so funny that everybody, and we're going to go to break here, top of the hour coming up, but everybody's acting like Alabama's in, in some type of uh, mourning right now. You're mourning with an 11 and two record. Are you kidding me? They're not a bad team. They're a really, really good team that just fell outside of top four. But think about this. He averaged 13 yards of pass. He threw for three touchdowns. His quarterback ranking for that game alone was 87.4. That's not a bad number for a guy who's going to be taking over your program. So if I'm Nick Saban, I'm thinking, okay, here's what's got to happen. Because it's a different type of style recruiting. It may be wrong or right here. It's an opinion. But when you have a guy like Tua, you recruit differently than you would if you had a guy uh, like Jones is going to come in here because you need to fill back up the stables behind you. You need to make sure you understand you need a little bit bigger forefront because you don't have a rumbling, stumbling, scrambling quarterback. You got more of a pocket passer like we just mentioned about McCarron. He's got to have time to throw it. He can run, no doubt. He can run, and he will run because once you open up the air attack, the run attack becomes a little bit more efficient. But for me, Watch and see who they go after. Go look at their big board coming up in February. I can promise you their running back core is going to get a little bit deal. And if I'm a running back, and I'm in the college, in high school right now, a, a five-star guy, I'm eyeballing Alabama right now because I already know you don't have a running quarterback like you did uh, Jalen Hurst, who that's what he was. He was not a passing quarterback. He was more of that running quarterback who had to learn how to throw it better. I mean, he threw ducks in Tampa. I was there on the sidelines watching Clemson come back and win that one at the end, but had Alabama had a quarterback, and you talk about the running back that went down, that's what changed the whole game of that one. It's a different aspect. So hopefully, if you're Nick Saban, I'm not worried about it at all. You understand that it's your secondary that kind of burns you, for me, more than it was your offense. Yeah, and the thing that Saban is going to continue to do, is that, as they always do at Alabama, is, is re- reload the trenches. Because that, that's going to be that's going to be more important this time around than uh, than than it probably ever has been. Because it's been what four, five, six years removed from the last pocket passer quarterback, and I, I like I don't know if if it's going to be they're going to cater to Mac Jones or Mac Jones is going to have to learn to be more of a mobile quarterback. Which I, I find I find the former um, being more prone than than the latter. You know they 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 are going to cater an offense around the quarterback and the, and the one that's going to be calling the shots, the one that's going to be making the plays. And, and to me, you know, Alabama, they don't have, uh, they, they have, they have game changers. They don't, they don't have game managers. Uh, that's the words that I was trying to get out. Um, you know, the game managers, you, you see them at, at different programs in, in the SEC, but, you know, they go after playmakers and game changers. And that's what Alabama is going to, uh, you know, try to do and reloading the trenches. 
you know, they, like I, I think that Mac Jones is, is right-handed. And so they're going to, they're going to reload left guard and left tackle and, and, you know, really toughen those guys up to protect his blind side, because you know, that that's going to be the one thing, um, you know, moving into this, you know, new age of offense, if you will, uh, and, and where the mobile quarterback is, is expected. But I mean, you, you don't, you're not going to roll out to your right or left. You're going to, you're going to stay right there in the pocket. And, and those guards and tackles are going to have to really protect Mac Jones uh, come next year if, if the starting job is his. And I'm thinking that it is his. But uh, the question is about Tua, of course, and, and Tua being going into the draft. I think that today is his day, and he announces that at 12 o'clock. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, going back on the recruiting trail real quick here in the early signing period, they do have three running backs, all three of them, by the way, four stars, and they go anywhere from Texas to Alabama to Louisiana. They did go out and, and sign on early a, a young man at a Bryce Young out of Santa Clara, California, the five-star quarterback. So they're ready. They're, they're doing what Alabama does. Again, Alabama is title town for a reason. They will be title town. Again, they're in the top three right now in recruiting, and that is part of the Rivals Network there. And, of course, you can go to 24-7 Sports. It's about – mirrored to be the same uh but this will again they do what they do because of this reason and don't think for one minute that they won't look at the transfer portal they won't look at certain other opportunities here because then one thing that the transfer portal does do it, it again it becomes a little bit more of an opportunity if you will as an nfl draft for the college level you go out early you sign the kids in november then you're like okay well i didn't get this guy this guy and this guy the transfer portal puts that together then here comes the dessert because it's a three-course meal. The first course is the appetizer. That's the early signees. The main course could be, I guess, if you would say, would be the transfer portals and then that appetizer, excuse me, that dessert that's going to come in in February, and that'll be finalizing your meal uh, for that deal there. So, uh, again, Tua doesn't have, to me, doesn't have much of a choice. He can have a season-ending career if he comes back. Because these kids in the SEC, the defense are very front. They're they're very big. They're very aggressive, and I just don't see him coming back. I just don't see it. The SEC West is is getting tougher. It's getting more grittier, more physical. And you know, if if all things all things considered, if Tua does come back, and let's say that he does come back and that he's healthy all throughout all throughout, and that he protects his draft stock, if not elevates it, and he's the number one pick next year, right? Well. You halt the pro. You, to be honest, you're halting the progress of uh, several NFL teams who thought that they had a shot of getting you this year, yep. and then they're it's going to cause mis- it's going to cause misery to their fans um, come next year, or or just misery to the organization. How, however, you want to look at it, but nonetheless, this is a decision. Again, he's going to have to make for for himself and, and what what's going to be best for him and his football. Um, playing ability moving forward and that that to me is the biggest key in his decision is that what is what is best for him right well hopefully he'll make the right one i i feel good that he will there of course uh you know we keep saying this i'm going to end it on this and i'm going to turn it basically over to you for the next hour here and we'll get in some nfl with you and of course uh you know you can go back and forth with you on that but uh look say what you will about the sec west and i get it they've been the best in in the west there for a little while but the east went undefeated by the way in their bowl season and uh, it was the west that drug along it was the west that got beat it was the west that kind of didn't finish the big deal there yeah i get it it's all fun and that's why we have to poke a little fun there of course uh, we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow and that is kind of look back at the games that were and who's leading in the the bowl championship conference by conference but it is top of the hour it's time for us 
the head to break. We come back. We're going to get into the NFL. Will, of course, turn up the mic a little bit more. He'll talk a little more than I will coming up. I'm going to uh, kind of get you at a remote location here. I'm going to head the road here. I got to a project get in here this afternoon and this morning here, so I'll get into that. But meanwhile, Will, you'll stay here in the studio and uh, keep knocking them down, doing what you do, brother. Yes, sir. Uh, on behalf of me, guys, I will talk to you here in just a few. But uh, for you guys that are signing off, going to work, have a great day. Make it count. Do something different and uh, pass that smile along and have a good one. This is Southern Sports Central Hour 1 done. Coming up, hour number two right here on Southern Sports Central. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tents. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. And welcome back into Southern Sports Central right here on Block Talk Radio. I am Will Porter, uh, the co-host here. and I'm going to become your host for hour number two. Hour number one is done, and we are going on into hour number two. Hey, if you are just joining us now, welcome into uh, the show. We have one more hour to uh, to come at you here with uh, some sports and talking uh, sports with uh, the best. And uh, glad that you can be able to join us here uh, early this morning. Now, uh, transitioning into NFL news, a lot of NFL uh, games were, were played. As a matter of fact, four of them were played this past weekend. And uh, if you are a regular of Southern Sports Central and listen to the, the fifth quarter radio show um, with, with yours truly, kind of dove into that some uh, yes, or the past uh, two days. And, man, the past two days, they, they delivered, and they delivered with, with just great, uh, great intentions. Um, with, with, with awesome results. And uh, some, some of them are not the results that you want, but nonetheless, they, they are the results. So uh, getting into that right now in our number two, uh, the, the biggest topic of conversation I, I want to get to first is uh, Jason Garrett has officially been relieved of his head coaching duties uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, if you've been following this close along, yeah, there was word that he was going to be uh, let go on Thursday, sometime on Friday, but the official word did not come down until uh, sometime yesterday, and and it and it and it came at at a at a very strange time, I, I want to say, uh, because we were all we were all just kind of uh, watching and waiting and, and seeing what's going to happen, but. You know, for this game, for for Jason Garrett to uh, kind of be kind of be strung along, to be drug along in this in this light and in this nature, uh, man, it, it's just it's really tough to watch, and, and it's really tough. It it just got to a point that it was sad because he 
uh, he even said, you know, he's not going away, that he was he was refusing to accept his fate of being let go. Like, you know, the news was that the Cowboys have reportedly told Jason Garrett he's out as the team's head coach, but but Garrett keeps insisting uh, the Cowboys uh, consider keeping him around, and they have not – they did not officially fire Garrett um, despite interviewing other coaches around the league, and his contract was set to expire on January 14th. Uh, and giving giving news to the fans, that means that there is or was an end in sight, and that end uh, ended up coming uh, yesterday afternoon. They they reportedly told him that he is out as the team head's coach, um, but he, he he just refused to go go on quietly. And he had conversations with with the insiders and um, those close to the team. And he and he says, um, you know, you're okay. You're out as our head coach like some of some of them that they said to him and he says hold on hold on don't don't do it yet I, I still want to be considered for this and every time they do it they said we're moving on we're starting to interview other people and, and so you know friday night they interviewed marvin lewis uh they they first want the defensive head coaches and yesterday they interviewed uh mike mccarthy and uh on, on saturday as well that they interviewed the former green bay packers coach uh and a super bowl winner uh, Mike McCarthy, you know, that, that, that went so well, I'm told, uh, and this is according to uh, Jay Glazer, um, that it's actually still there, spent an extra day in Dallas. Uh, they're looking at Mike Zimmer if he wants, if he was out after the game in Minnesota. Of course, Minnesota won their game. I'm going to get into that later. Uh, but again, they, they still have to tell Jason Garrett, no, you're gone. We're moving on. Uh, you know, quite honestly, I don't think any of us have seen uh, something like that. But uh, the new the news broke yesterday that that Jason Garrett is is officially out and it was is after a, such a strange week uh, for for the Dallas Cowboys you know really for the NFC uh, East as a whole because the NFC East uh, is going through some coaching changes uh, despite the uh, they, they there's no longer an NFC East team in in this playoffs and and again once again I'll get into that a little bit later um, but. There are going to be three brand new head coaches, maybe four, if the Philadelphia Eagles decide to get rid of Doug Peterson. We'll see how that happens. But, you know, nonetheless, this is, you know, it was uh, reported by Jay Glazer from Fox and then uh, confirmed by ESPN's Adam Schefter that Garrett was finally told by the Cowboys Sunday evening that he would not be returning as the team's head coach. And all this after just a weird, strange week of speculation. He, he was the former Cowboys quarterback. Uh, became the team's head coach since 2010. He's only won two playoff games, never uh, making the NFC uh, championship game. And, and uh, then the, the Cowboys, they, of course, made their statement. Um, Jones always thinks big, and Garrett could not get the Cowboys back to the Super Bowl despite having plenty of chances. Now, it, 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 this has been kind of the running joke for, for Cowboys fans, if you will, because it's always been – you know, are are they going to get rid of Jason Garrett? Are they going to end up? Are they going to end up moving on at some point? Uh, I, I think that Skip Bayless uh, from Fox he, he was so adamant about it back in 2012 or 2013, uh, and, and you know, just time and time again, you know, the talent that he's surrounded with. And to be honest, this was uh, this was the year for the Cowboys um, that if they were going to make a championship run, it was going to be this year. They had one more um, one more year left on Dak Prescott's uh, on Dak Prescott's contract before they either cut him or extend him. Uh, they gave a huge contract extension to Ezekiel Elliott. They still have to pay Amari Cooper, 
Uh, and then Jason Witten comes back as the tight end and, and a leader for this team. He, he, he came back after one year. And, and he co- comes back after that one year uh, of retirement because he sees the opportunity. And he still has playing ability. He still has a, a ton of playing ability. But for him to be able to, Jason Garrett, for him to be able to take this team and only go 8-8, eight and eight, that to me, it, it, it's, it's bizarre. And, it, and it's highly shocking, uh, to say the least. Um, speaking of least, talking about the NFC least, I mean East, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the Philadelphia Eagles last night, uh, they, they had one shot, one more shot at getting into, uh, further into the playoffs. It was a wild card, uh, weekend and they were the fourth seed, of course. So they, they hosted a home game at, at Lincoln financial field. And, and that one was, uh, quite, quite the spectacle, uh, to say, to say the least, because it, it, it was just a wild game. Uh, for them last night, and, and they ended up falling to the Seattle Seahawks on that West Coast with a final score of 17 uh, to 9. After Jadavion Clowney, uh, he clocked Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz was out for the rest of the game. Uh, he was ruled out after halftime uh, with the concussion, uh, and Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, uh, they, they, they knocked off the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, he, he was the leading uh, passer and the leading rusher. Uh, you know, starting. I'm going to start off with the last game uh, of this uh, wild card weekend, uh, to say the least. 17 to nine, of course, your final score. Russell Wilson, uh, in, in this game, he completed about 60% of his passes, uh, went for 325 yards uh, and one touchdown. His longest pass was a 53 yarder and a quarterback rating of 108.3. And and again, he was the rushing leader in this game as well. Um, you know, taking a look at this game, he, uh, so the, the way that he was able to, you know, utilize himself, uh, in, in this game was just, uh, was just incredible. Nine carries for 45 yards. Um, and, and the, the best guy that he could throw to was D, DK Metcalf, uh, who ended up having, uh, seven receptions for a total of 160 yards and one touchdown there. Um, and then that longest was, I think the 53 yard. Uh, the touchdown there, um, and he protected the ball really well, and and such a great target for for Russell Wilson, probably a favorite target if you ask me. But um, you know the the Eagles, they were behind most of the night, and and they could never respond, uh, despite having a backup in Josh McCown, uh, which you know Josh McCown. There's a video that surfaced yesterday, sometime last night, uh, with him you know crying after the game, which. I mean, I, I can only I can only describe it as uh, just heartbreak because you know, and you're you're a backup, and there's only so much that you can do um, behind a team that like just morally got down because they lost their starting quarterback in Carson Wentz, who uh, thought a lot of the Eagles fans and and the organization thought, okay, maybe this is the year that he's finally healthy and and we can reach a deep playoff run, and that and that's how it's going to go, and, and that just never happened. And Josh McCown. He did the best that he can do. I, I firmly believe he did the best that he can do. He went 18 for 24 for 174 yards, and, and it just wasn't enough against the Seahawks, against a, a Seahawks team that is, that, that is incredible, that is on this remarkable uh, run now because they, they, have, they have this vengeance uh, going, going, trying to go after a, a San Francisco team who took the uh, NFC West title away from them 
Uh, and, and moving on into that, Seahawks will then play uh, Green Bay coming up next weekend. And that, that was decided uh, for a fact because the Vikings went into the Superdome and upset the Saints 26-20 to 20 in overtime. And we, needed, we needed overtime for, for this game to, to end uh, and, and decide who's going to move on. Minnesota being the lowest-seeded team in, in the NFC, now they're going to go to San Francisco and play um, the 49ers next weekend. Um, but Kirk Cousins, he rose up to the occasion, and, and he did what he needed to do. He went 19 for 31, 242 yards and a touchdown. But uh, this was the uh, – really and honestly, this was, was going to be the Dalvin and Alvin show, uh, Dalvin Cook versus Alvin Kamara. And, and Dalvin Cook showed out. He had 28 carries for 94 yards and ended up uh, taking it into the end zone for two, uh, two scores. And, and Kirk Cousins, uh, at the end of this game, he hit his tight end, Kyle Rudolph, with a four-yard fade on the third and goal in overtime. And the Minnesota Vikings, uh, they pull out that victory over the Saints in the wild card round of the NFC playoffs on Sunday. And a lot of people, an opportunity to mock those who doubted him and the ability to come through the clutch. Um, that, that's, what, uh, that's what Kyle Rudolph did, um, you know, a, a, a engaging with a purple swarm of Vikings, celebrating him, uh, celebrating with him at the end, uh, in the end zone over there. Um, if you weren't able to see this, and, and I highly encourage that you go back in and just, you know, YouTube it or, or just look it up. It's probably all over because it's still being the talk of, of Saints Nation and the NFL uh, as a whole, but this is it's coming at a time uh possibly just it just can't get any it just can't get any better for for saints fans they they just cannot catch a break i feel like and it, and it's the latest disappointing end for the saints season um who now they end it uh 13 and 4 this was near this is coming off nearly a year after the new orleans saints lost in the nfc championship game to the la rams in a game marred um, by missed Rams penalties late in regulation. And now this time, replays on video board showed a possible push-off um, by the receiver, Kyle Rudolph, against defensive back P.J. Williams moments before he jumped to snag the winning catch. I, I'm going to call it how I see it. I thought that it was clear offensive pass interference. Obviously, the refs did not see it that way. Obviously, replay officials did not see it that way. Um, and despite all of that, you know, Sean Payton takes the high road and says that the Vikings uh, deserve to win. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's a tough game. It's a tough loss for uh, the, the New Orleans Saints again, who uh, this was the only home game that they were going to have in the postseason because uh, they, they ended up. Uh, they, they were going to be down. They, they did not have a, a wild card. Uh, or they did not clinch a, a spot in the playoffs uh, high enough for them to even get two home games or, or three because they, they did not finish first in, in the overall conference. Uh, having said all of that, I think it's not a season to hang your hat on because you, you came over uh, with, with, you came over into this postseason with, with injuries nagged all throughout the season. The storyline is just great. Teddy Bridgewater coming into, into the, the five week gap that, um, that Drew Brees when he was out and for him to take over that team and to be able to do what he needed to do and win games and to be able to win them, um, win them games that eventually would lead them into the, the position that they were in being at home 
he he did such a he said he did such a fantastic job. It just happened to be that the Vikings they wanted it more, and so now it's postseason trouble for the Saints once again. Uh, the third time, um, the third time in three postseasons, the second time in three postseasons that they lose it. The Vikings on a walk off play such as that. Everybody remember the Minnesota miracle that happened uh, two years ago? Yeah, that's one that I'm talking about. So 26-20 is the final in overtime. Those are all the NFC games that were played on Sunday. I want to get to Saturday's games because Saturday's slate of games, to me, I feel were the most interesting, to say the least. We had the first overtime game, and that was Bill's Texans in Houston for, for a spot who's going to go uh, and possibly play the Kansas City Chiefs. And this game had all of the fireworks and just all the physicality that you would want. And the Bills had the Bills had the Texans up. Uh, they were up on them at one point, 13 to nothing in the first quarter or in the first half. And for the Texans to be able to rally back and come back in the fourth quarter and, and, and produce two scores, um, one, one, of course, is a, a field goal by uh, Fairbairn, and then the touchdown uh, pass from uh, Deshaun Watson to Carlos Hyde. That was just only a five-yarder, but still. Um, and then they, they hit the two-point conversion, and, and that ended up tying the game uh, or, or leading 19-16. to 16. And then uh, with about five seconds left, uh, Stephen Hakuda. Uh, with a 47-yarder for the Buffalo Bills, and that sends it into overtime. And this sudden death overtime, it, this, it, it's, it's best to say, you know, there has to be a clear winner. There's not going to be a tie. It's not going to be the last 15, last 15 minutes. And if it ends in a tie, then oh well. No, you keep going. And that this game cannot end in a tie. It's going to go uh, an extra fifth quarter or sixth quarter if it has to. But Sean Watson shined the way that he needed to. He only missed he only missed five passes last night, he, uh, or, or on Saturday night. He completed eighty percent of his passes, two hundred and forty-seven yards, a- averaged about close to fifty yards uh, per pass, and had one touchdown. The longest pass of uh, that of the night came on that forty-one yard uh, touchdown reception from uh, uh, when he in time whenever he he spiraled around. I think everybody's seen it by now. It's just a spectacular, um, just a spectacular game. And having a rating of 121.2 in this game, it's, just, it's, it's spectacular how, how he was able to do that. And, you know, despite, like, despite all of this, uh, you know, you're thinking, okay, what, like, like it's, it's Deshaun Watson, what would you expect? You know, Davo Sweeney, his former head coach at Clemson, he, he brought up the point or made the comparison and a bold comparison that Deshaun Watson is Michael Jordan of football. Like, how do you, like, how do you do that? How do you draw up that comparison? You, you, you just don't, if you're a regular person, but, but Davo Sweeney being a coach and being so close to um, being so close to Deshaun actually coaching him and to see him have success and to go and, and go off and do this. It's just incredible. And, and it's unfortunate for the Buffalo Bills. They're they're going to end their season uh, ten ten and six, or I think it's ten and seven now because they they lost this game. And, and it's unfortunate. They they make the postseason twice in the 
Mexican births, and they're on they're on a track to becoming relevant again. And so you take a look at these things, and you take a look at what they've been able to do, what they've been able to accomplish, um, and, and what the Bills have done to kind of reverse their history. Uh, it, it's it's pretty remarkable, I, if, if I do say so myself, um, because it is it is again uh, starting to change directory and what they're what they're able to do and to accomplish. Because if they're not, then Again, they wouldn't be in the they wouldn't be in this situation that they wouldn't be uh, capable that they wouldn't be able to um, you know rise above what they um, the the fate that they had once before and so I think that this is not this is not a season to uh, for them to hang their hat on but it is it is nonetheless something that I, I do think that that deserves to that doesn't deserve to go unnoticed and Kyle Allen being the great um the great quarterback that he needed to be in that moment i think showed uh true testament to what the buffalo bills have been able to do over the past several seasons and building up again to relevancy that to me i think is the greatest strength but now going going back to the texans the texans being able to uh, uh prove a point if you will that they they are capable that they deserve to be in this conversation and they have a Deshaun Watson. Um, they, they have the, um, they have the Deandre Hawkins, uh, who quite honestly is probably one of the best receivers in the national football league right now, as it stands. So with all that being said, you know, as we, as we look ahead into these you know, divisional round matchups, and these are going to be these are going to be pretty great matchups uh, to look at. But for the Houston Texans, they're going to have to go into a hostile environment, I think, in, in Kansas City, and really be able to dissect uh, and be able to win. Like just to be able to win this game, they're they're going to have to be better than they have been uh, in, in most games, and to not make those many that many mistakes that they had. Uh, made in in the past because if they do that then it's going to it's going to be bad because um they they need to of course elevate to higher you know to higher standing what they're able to do and, and they're able to produce like no no doubt about it um but but as far as Houston's success that's going to rely on how great that the offense can be how healthy can J.J. Watt stay in this game because it's going like, again, it's going to come down to, it's going to come down to that uh, specifically. And and in the next half hour, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of dive into this way too early uh, predictions of what it's going to look like uh, in the NFL uh, 
for the for the next coming for the next coming uh, of games Saturday and Sunday uh, up and coming. So uh, stay stay tuned for that. The one thing that I'm going to take away from from this uh, Houston Texans uh, win over the Buffalo Bills in overtime is that the team is able to unite and do what it needed to do because they were down. They they had no scores, zero points on the board entering into halftime. And because of that, they could have just lied down and said, "This is the end. We're not gonna we're not going to advance any further in this." And it was the game. It was a game again, you know, last year, where they were they were so close but yet so far away to uh, winning winning a game uh, such as that. It just it never happened. So, kind of going off of piggybacking off of that, you know, the the success that they're going to have is is going to be determined on the teamwork and, and the dedication uh, and the play calling. You know, Bill O'Brien making sure that he that he he gets the right calls out and making sure that he is able to uh, do what he needs to do. And it, you know, th- this was a pretty balanced ball game, and this this was a kind of a, one of those coin flips. But this was a, this was a balanced ball game in the fact that the Texans only had maybe one minute more um, of ball possession than than the Bills did, and both of these teams were they were dead tired by the end of it. And by the end of regulation, and then to go into overtime and to do what they needed to do, uh, and plus Buffalo had a few more penalties than the Texans did, and being able to to punish them on that side of the ball and being able to uh, to, to be able to go for it. You know the the Bills they had more yardage uh, than the Texans did throughout this game. The Texans were able to put themselves in in great position. And props to the Houston defense for being able to make a stand against 81 plays that the Bills ran. The other AFC game, man, this this one was exciting to watch and just about heartbreaking for everyone that is a Patriots fan, not heartbreaking for anyone that is a Tennessee fan or of anybody else. This game, I guess you can say, was a dynasty breaker. Because this was a former Patriots legend, a a former Patriots great that goes up against his old head coach and is able to, you know, pull a win, pull a rabbit out of the hat, and for them to make a make a statement in Foxborough. 20 to 13 is your final coming again from Foxborough, New England Falls and Tennessee, the wild card, the number 6 wild card team. They will advance and, and go on to play another week. And this is what I meant by Derrick Henry and we're going to mention him his name in the second hour of the show. This is why he racked up 182 yards on the ground 34 times, one of those times going in for a touchdown. And, and Ryan Tannehill, you know, making, making the best of his abilities, but it was more so Derrick Henry's night. And what Tennessee was able to do against a New England Patriots team whose defense we had talked about was stellar all year. 
they got they they got beat at their own game. Really and truly, that's what happened. And Tennessee was able to dominate on their side of the ball and control the ball more. They were able to convert and make scores in the red zone the way that they needed to. They were two and two in the red zone. New England was only one and three. And all of those rushing yards, the 40, the 40 attempts as a team total for going for 201 yards, about five yards a rush. That, that's enough to wear down defense that was on the field for 31 uh, minutes on the clock the, the entire time and just going, going in, playing and play out. It was only 57 plays, two less than the Patriots. But there were, there were, two, there were two plays that made, uh, that made the, the biggest difference. One of them, what happened to be an interception off of Tom Brady's hands as he was so close to, to his own end zone. And, and, like, that ball was down at the one-yard line. It's about, you know, 30, less than 30 seconds left in the entire game. And you put the ball in Brady's hands, magic's bound to happen. Well, it just happened to be that the, the six-time um, winningest quarterback in, in football history, the six-time Super Bowl champion, uh, throws a pick six in what could be his final game, either as a Patriot or of his career. A Hall of Fame career, no doubt, but for those that are, are going to remember him for his faults, they're going to remember him for this moment, and they're not going to let him forget it. I, I'm sure of that. that. That was enough to knock off the Patriots. And then the question becomes, is the dynasty over? Is it, is it over and done? Have we seen the last of Super Bowl uh, intentions for the Patriots? I, I don't think so. And we got to take a quick time out here real quick, but I, I want to, I want to offer that question up. Is it, is it relevant to say, is it, is it right Say that the dynasty is over for the New England Patriots. We'll dive into that uh, in the next couple of minutes, uh, soon after this break. Quick timeout here, and we will come right back. This is Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, if you want to call into the show, be our guest, because the guest call-in line is this, 323-784-9681. This is Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back. I'm gonna need you to back up. 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 I'm g
I'ma need you to back up. Hell is you thinking I'm jumping and leaking and Leo is leaking immediately. Show up this season and wait till you sleeping and wrap you up nice and needing them sheets. Kick the door open, I'm scanning for motion. I'm just trying to make all my pockets so beast. Don't want the coochie, I just want the luchi. So me and all of my poochies can eat. Might rob two chains for his loose chains. Take his boot thing, got the PF chains and take him K get a steak or something. Drop kick K in the face or something. Looking at me like I'm opaque or something. Don't I look like Drake or something? Shake a girl, make an earthquake or something. Better tell mankind and the take it coming. I'm in the seven, I'm gonna echo. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. Spilling the tea, you staring the cup. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. I'm in the seven, I'm gonna echo. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. Spilling the tea, you staring the cup. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. Come from off the top, the flow inside, I got you shot. Come from off the top, you know I be smart to the spot. Come from off the top, the flow inside, I got you shot. Come from off the top, 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 come from off the top. yardage 
and, and touchdown passes and, and just all of these all of these things. And the history is still being made, as far as I know. But last night was possibly his final game as a Patriot, possibly his final game as a football player. And now the question then becomes, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to him? But the bigger question, I think, from a from a team standpoint, from the fans and, and from the people who ha- have a genuine distaste for the New England Patriots, that's where the question is going to um, that's where the question is going to lie. And I want to bring in my co-host uh, Richie Altman here, uh, Richie. As I bring up that topic of conversation, I, I do want to ask, you know, what what comes next? Do you think for the New England Patriots, and what do you think is next for Tom Brady? You know, for me, I, I, I was listening to you, and you're you're right. I mean, it seems like what is the New England Patriots without without a Tom Brady? And I don't think New England's ready for that yet. I, I don't think that they need to panic yet. I mean, I think that they realize that they're now human. Uh, and watching that game, uh, what Saturday? It seems like it was uh, a little longer than that, but Saturday, you know, you realize that hey, number one is that teams have figured out a little bit more about how to be competitive against him. But for him, he's still. I mean, he, he's he's not injury prone. He very much, I would say, is, is a ideal uh, athlete. Would who you would want on your roster. He never gets in any trouble on and off the field. You never hear anything about the guy. And he does more with less. I mean, he has won more with less five-star, big-name guys. Matter of fact, he is the reason that these guys are big names. So, for me, yeah, not the way you want him to go out. But, listen, at the end of the day, I still think he's got two or three years with him. I mean, I sure wouldn't. I wouldn't trade him because I would sure hate for him to go to the Jets. I'd hate to see him go down to another team that's a quarterback away from being a really good team and have to beat your team and you be that owner of the uh, of the Patriots and know that you gave away the one guy who has led you to the dynasty that you know here of uh, the last 20 years. Live right now with uh, Richie Altman. He is going on location uh, to report some good things for us and uh, some, some upcoming um, uh, upcoming goodies, I guess, to bring you here to Southern Sports Central. Yeah, Richie, I, I, I 100% agree with that. And um, the, something that else that I'll add to the conversation is the question, you know, what what better what better thing does uh, does Tom Brady have uh, rather than the Patriots? Because if he goes if he goes anywhere else other than New England, there is the possibility that he is going to get hurt. That he's not going to have that consistency that he once had, uh, like while he was at New England. Um, and, and so like my that that's that's the one thing to kind of encapsulate this whole ordeal um, because. A lot of Patriots fans and and fans around the league are are speculating that this was his final game in a Patriots uniform. But if he does end up going anywhere, then it, it's going to it's possibly going to hurt him uh, physically more than than it is like from an organizational standpoint. You know, I, I don't think you even have to look far for for a guy who who can look over at Brett Favre and see that Brett Favre did this where he went to multiple organizations, did not have the success he had at Green Bay, you know, but he was more or less forced out of Green Bay. I don't think Brett Favre had much of a choice. I, I believe and I would like to think that the owner of the uh, of the New England Patriots, uh, Mr. Tab, it would be a better man than that, uh, and that he would be a better man to, to not force out a guy who has really put together 
uh, a dynasty, a, a uh, an idea of what you would want out of a quarterback, out of a leader, out of a, a man that you can make your franchise player, right? I mean, that's who he is. He's that guy. And for me, you know, if you're Tom Brady, it's also a, a – you're taking a chance yourself. So I don't think either one of these two individuals, be it the owner or the quarterback, is really sitting at a place going, wow, you know, this is a guarantee. If I leave, I know I can do well. Or it is the owners and those inside that office in New England that think, okay, well, we've got a backup guy. Well, this backup guy is not going to be Tom Brady. You're not going to get – you know, people want to come play because you have Tom Brady. You have to look at that sell factor, that wow factor, that there was a reason that that guy left the Raiders, right? Had he done it the right way, he might even still be there. And I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to give him any, any airtime, but he wanted to go play it for one of the GOATs, you know, one of the greatest of all times. I'm not saying he is the GOAT, but he's one of the GOATs. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in NFL history. Yeah, Richie, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, I, I There was an argument even that I, I brought up to, to somebody on social media a couple of uh, a couple of months ago, uh, talking about, you know, I, I I brought the point up to to him and 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 he he seemed to be very open about it. The the person I was talking to and I said, you know, um, Tom Brady. Some people consider him the greatest of all time. I I I see this guy as a quarterback who has gone off the successes of just you know being consistent, being able to get the ball to his receivers or ma- making plays where he has to and just being part of a, uh, of a great organization. Uh, and, and because of, and, and really, really and truly because of that, that, that success uh, has, has just continued to, to, to go on and to move forward. Um, another point that, that I want to uh, bring in as uh, hopefully Richie will join us here uh, in, in just another minute uh, again, but uh, you know, an, another point that I, I want to bring up as well uh, to you, Richie, is, you know, if, if as, I, as I'm trying to get, as I'm trying to get my mind right, is Bill Belichick is the one who is, you know, making the decisions, making, calling the shots as far as roster and who, who gets to play and who gets cut and all these things. Nine times out of 10, a lot of the contracts for New England Patriots players are team options, not, not player options saying, that I, I want to come back and play. It's the team options where it says um, we back if, if you were able to uh, produce on the field. And I, I don't know the details of, of Tom Brady's contract. I don't know the details of, of what that, what all of that looks like for, for him um, as far as the, the contractual obligations that, uh, that Tom Brady has uh, and, and the fine lines that, that not many of us uh, read or take into account. But, just based on that history and making me think of it like being a team option, do you think that this being this? Of course, this is Bill Belichick's team. This is Bill Belichick's team to run, and like he he's not, he's the only one that doesn't own it, and but he's the one that makes the decisions, you know, calls the football shots and all that. Your thoughts on that, Richie? About just just based off of that terminology, uh, does Tom like does Tom Brady still? have a chance to, to come back next year in a Patriots uniform. If I'm Bill Belichick, I mean, you know, what Bill Belichick is to Tom Brady, Tom Brady is to Bill Belichick. I mean, without one, you know, you don't really know if you have the other one. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is there. Because here's the thing. The stats are the stats and the numbers are the numbers. And it's, you don't know what you got until it's gone. 
type of thing, right? And, and if it wasn't for Tom Brady, again, bringing in these no-name guys that are now named guys. Now, he's had a few guys that have come in the systems. He's had some, some Randy Mosses. He's had some guys come in here that's done some big things that have, you know, previously had a little name to him, but not many. Not many. So imagine a, a, a life without Tom Brady. Because then you're going back to the three-point stance of the Patriot on the side of the helmet. wasn't a very good era. It wasn't a good, very good look. And, and for Bill Belichick, you can say what you want to say about Bill Belichick, but somebody's got to go out on that field and play the game. Somebody's got to go out there and put the numbers together. Somebody's got to go out there and throw touchdown passes and be the general, not only on the field but off the field. And trust and believe me, these players, again, want to play with this guy. These guys, they, they, they leave their organizations where they probably have good – ties and good things, but they realize that, look, you look at what every coach could really sell the, the entire formula for the, for the New England Patriots and say, look, we don't have a lot of five-star guys up there in New England, but they're a better chemistry than anything you've ever seen. And that, to me, is the story. It's the Bill checks. It, it, it's the guys that continue to come back and don't want to retire because they realize that if they come back one more year, they get, might get one more ring. But your chances of winning with New England are a lot greater than your chances of winning in the past with Kansas City. In the past, then a, a, a team out of the AFC, well, you can go ahead and say the Ravens, you know, somebody like that that's been around, the Texans, or even, or even you go to the, AFC, the NFC, even with the Green Bay, you know, team like the team that you and I pull for. You know, it's just New England's kind of, you think of the Super Bowl, you always say, okay, well, New England, well, who are they going to play? And that's kind of been a one-horse deal. Yeah, no doubt about it. Right, uh, Live right now with Richie Altman, he is going on the road uh, on location for us here at Southern Sports Central. Now, uh, yeah, an interesting point to bring up is that the Patriots have now, um, they've lost to, Bill Belichick has lost to four coaches uh, this year that he, uh, either had under his wing or coaches that played uh, played for him, and uh, and I like and, that, and then it becomes the argument. Okay, well, is it is it maybe the coach? Have they been uh, have they been found out uh, because of the the coaching ways and the coaching matters? You know, they they have a balanced offense with with a, um, a running back like Sony Michelle, who who's able to uh, you know be consistent and, and to continue to uh, run the ball. Last night he had. 14 carries for 61 yards to me um that I, I mean that's a good number to look at but you know comparing it to uh Derrick Henry's numbers with uh, 34 carries 182 yards and a touchdown that that's uh that that's quite a different um that's a quite a different perspective and and the broad scope of things um and, and the last score that the Patriots ended up having was back in the first half where they scored uh 10 points in the second quarter that was the most in any quarter uh, in that game that they scored. So I, I bring it up now. Uh, is it possibly that Bill Belichick has been found out or, or was this just a matter of, you know, they, they hit a down year and, and all of their losses just happened to come at, at an inopportune time. And, and also may I mention that all the teams that are, you know, still in the playoffs, I, I, I want to say probably with the exception of, of Tennessee have, uh, have the Patriots beat, uh, gotten beaten by in the regular season? Your thoughts on that, Richie? Well, for me, I think what you're getting, Will, is you're getting the realization that, okay, they're human, right? I mean, they're, it's a game. Everybody has a chance to win. you got to prepare yourself. 
You got to go out and give 100%. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing this also in landscape in college football where these conferences that have been dominant for so many years or teams that have been dominant for so many years, there is a transition in power here. Look at the guys who just got bounced out of the playoffs in, in the NFL over the weekend, Drew Brees. You talked about, of course, you know, the Patriots quarterback there. Where Now, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're hoping that doesn't hit him because that's what it looks like. It looks like it's the air of the young guns and the older guys are just getting caught up now. And, and here's the thing for me is that I don't think that this is a, a team that you need to panic on. No different than what you, we talked about now. We're number one with Alabama only lost two games. Remember, you know, Alabama, an 11 and two team. And we're talking about the demise of Alabama. Come on. It's no different in new England. It's not a demise. It's just a, you know, an opportunity was given a team on the other side, played a little harder, wanted it maybe a little more, but did what they needed to do to get the win. And unfortunately that's the life of the playoffs. You win, you're in, you don't, you won't. And that was the final deal. Whatever they needed to do to beat a team like, of course, Drew Brees, Drew Brees, of course, yesterday, or you look at the likes of, of course, uh, you know, the Patriots on Saturday, those teams did it. And you have to tip your cap. Now they go back to work. They'll take some time away. But trust and believe me, we talked about, you know, the draft in hour one. This New England team is going to hit the draft board, and they're going to do what they need to do to get back to supremacy. I don't think they're going to take much time away. And live right now, we're Britt Altman, uh, contributor and uh, host of Southern Sports Central. Yeah, I, I agree 100% that the dynasty is not over just as long as long as uh, Bill Belichick is at the helm, as long as he is uh, doing what doing what he needs to do, uh, making the choices that he needs to make, football moves, roster moves, changes that he needs to make. Uh, because, again, this, this is his team he had um, and made into such a powerhouse. And what we saw on, on Saturday night, like, uh, like you clearly said, is that they are human, that the Patriots are human. Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is breaking news. The Patriots, they are human. Uh, they, and they just happen to uh, lose in that fashion and that they get brought back uh, down to earth with a, a, a 13 loss in, in Foxborough, by the way, which is a very tough place to play in the playoffs, let alone in the regular season. And, and for them to, to lose at home uh, in a playoff game is a site to behold. And so it's, it's, it's not it's not looking into the ball and saying it's down the over. We don't know that. They still have the key pieces surrounding them. As far as we know, Tom Brady still has to do the Patriots organization with the New England Patriots. He, he like saying that he has nothing to do with them. Of course he has everything to do with them because he is like, he is that dude. He is that quarterback who brought them six Super Bowls in, in a matter of a career. And a Super Bowl winning coach and Bill Belichick, who has built up such a such a great dynasty, and he is still the head coach, and he is still being able to you know cultivate. Uh, um, proper tools necessary uh, to win, and and it's uh, the team, uh, the team mentality as a whole for the Patriots, and uh, for them to you know go out in games in the way that they do. Um, and, and I completely agree 100% with you, Richie, that the dynasty uh, is, is not over, at, at least not yet, for the uh, foreseeable future. Now, uh, the thing that I, I want to ask you real quick, uh, as there's about maybe 10 minutes left in this show, 
and I got to it uh, at about the top of the hour, uh, kind of a buffer between these um, uh, between these two talking points uh, and, and uh, recapping the games. Jason Garrett officially uh, being let go from the from the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and it, it's honestly about time that it happened because it, it was getting. It was getting to a point of sadness where uh, he, he was uh, kind of begging and pleading for his job, thinking that, uh, oh, not being let go yet, get, like, give me a chance on this, guys. And uh, it just got to a point where it, it was uh, kind of sad to, to hear this news and to think about it um, and to, to be reading about it. And uh, now it finally came down the wire yesterday afternoon that he was officially will go as the Dallas Cowboys coach. Uh, Richie, what what you the tool? Well, for me, you know, I saw the news come out yesterday. And of course, we had, we, we had heard about it, you know, uh, for, what, all week long. And it was kind of a, a, a deal that I think they knew once they didn't make the playoffs that Jason Garrett was going to be let go. But it's like a bad breakup. You know, he doesn't want to let go of the girlfriend or doesn't want to let go of the boyfriend, however you want to spin it. But to me, it's just a bad breakup. You know, he wants to get it one more shot, give it one more round. You know, this is probably, I would imagine, a, a job that he felt like, you know, he could have done a lot better job. I mean, you said it before. I mean, he's locked and loaded. He's got talent all over the field. On both sides of the field, he's got more talent on the sidelines than some teams do, even on the field. He didn't – he wasn't able. He put it all into work. He wasn't able to do the things that he needed to do to maintain his job. And to be honest with you, if you're a Cowboy fan, he did you a favor by losing out. And it's not losing out, but not getting in the playoffs. Because this guy makes it to the playoffs, you're stuck with him another year, if not two years. You know, because that's kind of the conversation that, that I believe was had. However, you know, again, when you've got a guy like Prescott, you've got, you know, Deke back there, you've got some of the big guys that have come back. The offensive line's very strong. The defensive team seems to be very fast. You've got Robert Quinn, the defensive guy, that, of course, is from Fort Dorchester. High school, which is that down the road from the studio there, play for Coastal Pratt. You know, you got guys like him and, and guys like them. You know, you got to come out with a victory, man. And for me, you know, this was kind of something that was we saw it coming. I don't, I don't really think, you know, he never really ever excelled in that job. He never really, I thought, did a good job. He's always had some playmakers around him. Just and you've seen this on the college level. I mean, I think Clemson kind of compares a lot. I think Clemson and, and the Cowboys you know, have some similarities there because they've always had playmakers on their teams that just didn't have the right coaches to coach them. And that chemistry is big on the field. But trust and believe me, watch what Dabo Sweeney does in college. That's the kind of coach they're going to need to go get. Somebody like that for Dallas, I think, that understands the players, that understands the game, that also can understand how to love them when you need to love them but hold them accountable when you need to hold them accountable. And as he says, you know, iron sharpens irons, and sometimes that's going to put a few sparks across the board. But for me, where do you go next? I, we, you know, I mentioned this uh, in hour one. I, I don't know if I'm that coach at Oklahoma, if I'm leaving Oklahoma to go to a very much an uncertain bed to go lay in day in and day out. At least you control a little bit of what you got going on there in Oklahoma. You've got no control in Dallas. I don't care who you are. I think, you know, um, Jimmy Johnson's probably the one coach who was one of the only coaches I know that was a perfect fit. And, and, and basically, hey, you're not going to push me. I'm going to push you as hard as you push me. And that's why they won Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson. But that's maybe the style coach that they need to go for as well. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with that. One thing also, 
uh, that goes without mentioning. I, like I believe, you know, Jerry Jones, as all good intentions that that he has with with wanting to uh, have a say in in uh, you know cultivating up a, a Super Bowl winning roster and him, him making these moves, how, how, how a Jimmy Johnson team back in the 90s was able to win these games was Jerry Jones not so much, um, you know, making these uh, – he, he was making these moves all on his own and making these decisions all on, all on his own despite the, uh, you know, the outside noise that, that Jerry Jones would have created uh, and e- even now. And I, I think – and, of course, these are two you know, different eras – uh, completely different coach, completely different system, um, you know. But nonetheless, I, I think that what that would prove is is the fact that um, they would be able to keep their head down and to go and win a and and to go and win a championship. But being all about their business at the same time, I just think that Jerry Jones would have a hard time kind of letting go of the reins if uh, uh, of this uh, of this team and letting it go to the coaches and the people who are actually there on the sidelines making calls and stuff like that, playing the game. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I think that you're going to look at – he's very similar, as you'll see, Daniel Snyder. That's the one thing that I'm worried about, Revere. Is he going to go there and really flounder or not, being able to the new head coach over at the Redskins? And uh, there's all these different words and, and names that are coming up and all these job openings around the NFL right now where, of course, uh, there's a handful of openings. But that being said, you know, when you've got a guy like Jerry Jones and you've got a guy like Daniel Schneider, these guys who, who have very little bit ability to not micromanage, you know, that makes it hard for the head coaches to manage. You know, somebody always looking over your shoulder. You gave him the job. You gave him the title. Let him do his job. And if he doesn't do his job, fire But you don't need to sit there and look over his shoulder. And I think that's the one thing that keeps the Dallas Cowboys getting back to where they used to be, even way before Jimmy Johnson days, is they have to allow the coach – the coach and until they do that they're going to continue to have a rotating door and the unemployment line is going to keep them ready to rock and roll and they're going to continue to break some of what we could know as some of the greatest coaches to come up and around last thing real quick uh just to prompt the question for the next guy that, that walks through the door and, and puts on the headset and makes the calls um how 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 hard is this job going to be for them you know the cowboys head coach one of the highest profile profile jobs in all of sports, and the bar is always high for, for the job because Jerry Jones doesn't do anything halfway, and whoever gets the next job will be under pressure immediately. And as uh, Jason Garrett can attest, that's always part of the, the Cowboys' job. I, I want to know your thoughts on that. Well, it's kind of like dating an abusive boyfriend, if you will, there. I mean, you know you're going to get beat. You see him beating everybody else. Why is he going to change with you? That thing I'd say is pray before you walk in the doors and stay heavy in it while you're there. Uh, but, again, to me, you know, he is no different than an abusive relationship. He's beaten everybody he's been through. Uh, you know, he's not going to change. He is who we thought he is. You know, there is no Houdini here. You know, uh, you watch the way he his antics on, on the TV screen, even when they're playing the game and they go up to the skybox. You know, to me, that's just the way it is. So, you're taking a chance, and if you're willing to take a chance and walk away from what you may have and understand that the chances of you making this out of this thing alive is, is slim, then go out and knock yourself out. I just don't know, even me, myself, if I'm at Oklahoma or if I'm at Texas or I'm at another, you know, another organization, if I would leave what I have, unless it was that bad, to go coach a team. And you're right. Hey, that star just means more, not only in the NFL, but for the brand it does. That Cowboys 
you know, they've got a legacy that they've built for a long time, and it's going to always be one of those high-profile jobs. But until they get a new owner, that job is going to smell just the way it looks. Richie, I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll get back at it tomorrow morning. All right, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Have a good day. Yes, sir. You too. And uh, that will do it for us here at Southern Sports Central. On behalf of Richie Alban and all of us here, uh, I'd like to say a huge thank you to uh, our sponsors, Garen's Pharmacy, um, Matt's Burgers, the Fan Zone being one of them as well. So on behalf of Southern Sports Central, right here on Block Talk Radio, I am Will Porter, and we will see you tomorrow. I call my hair like-